Take the guesswork out of your cannabis shopping with the ECS DNA kit by Endocana Health. If you take pride in your canna nerdiness or are just canna curious, this kit empowers you to find more about the best cannabis choices. Right now, you can save 25% off your DNA test at endodna.com using promo code POD25. Your purchase includes the Endo DNA Collection Kit, Endo Decoded Report, personalized cannabinoid and terpene suggestions, and Endo Align products matching in your state. There will also be suggested dosage guidelines and optimum methods for inhalation or usage. Once you know your personal ECS data, you can shop Endo supplements tailored specifically for you. And right now, Endo DNA is celebrating their new patent with a buy one, get one offer on their Afika Soft Gel lineup. And since I know that many of you struggle with sleep, I want to highlight Afika Unwind, created to support health sleep cycles using patented proprietary formulations of hemp-derived CBD, terpenes, and essential oils. If sleep is eluding you, sweet dreams are in your future. Buy one for yourself and get one for a friend at endodna.com. And don't forget promo code POD25 at the checkout for 25% off your DNA test kit. This is The Cannamom Show, a podcast chronicling the inspiring stories of real women in the emerging cannabis industry. Your host, Joyce Gerber, mom, lawyer, political activist, has been speaking with women from coast to coast who are leaders in the revolution of cannabis and caregiving. Now, in season two, The Cannamom Show continues on its mission to empower women-centric cannabis businesses by sharing their stories with you. Go make yourself a cup of tea or roll yourself a joint, sit back, and learn something new about this magical plant on The Cannamom Show with Joyce Gerber. Let me go a little bit longer. Hello, welcome to another Cannamom Show podcast. Hey, Dave, so you know about my the amazing Technicolor cannabis quilt I'm working on? We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Yes. Go, Joyce, with your Technicolor quilt. (laughs) So I live in a really old house. It's got this weird rubble basement. It's scary, but we have a lot of stuff down there stored, and my husband and son have decided it's going to be a workroom. They're building guitars. Oh. Whatever. Anyway, so they're cleaning (laughs) stuff out, and look what showed up, like very randomly. This was like on the top of some random box I found. And that's an album of an album. Joseph, Joseph's amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Wow, it's serendipity. That is it's, so It's weird. world colliding, so I know. It's coming together, so it's going to happen when I say I'm going to do something. So it's coming, the amazing Technicolor Cannabis Quilt soon. And uh, I should have told you this earlier so you could cue it up. So that Jimmy Fallon, I said musical theater stuff. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Fallon did 2020 The Musical. I saw <laughs> it. It might be I saw one it. of the five. Yeah. Yeah. I was dancing around my kitchen. So everybody loves musical theater. It's happy and, you know, it's helping us get through. Do you want to hear a little bit of it? Sure. If you get something queued up. I didn't know if you were ready yet. So, oh, well, yeah. that's how we're, good I am, yes. Yeah. <laughs> He's such a professional. 2020. Oh, what a journey. How has one year felt like 30? January in America, Trump is impeaching America, more primaries in America, New World War III in America, Trump's in the dancing. America. Yeah, the dancing is great. It's a, it's a full experience. Just check it out. Maybe we'll put it in the notes. I yeah, just, and he, 
he pays homage to just a, a whole, I mean, Rent and Hamilton, and you heard West Side Story, and he does it with Andrew uh, Rennells. Is that his name? I, I think know. that's his name. Yeah. And uh, yeah. it's singing, dancing, cheers is just a beautiful entourage of whatever joy yes. in the morning. So go check it out. So I have this map, the Canamom Show map, trying to fill it in. It's got a lot of states, and today's guest is going to help me fill in another piece of the puzzle. So here we go. Welcome to today's guest, who's all the way from Idaho, right? I've never talked to anyone in Idaho yet. Today's guest. She is here to share the story of her literal physical journey from California to Idaho and her Canna journey in writing her guide for Canna Curious Women. Like all of us learning about this ancient plant, the more she learned, the more open she became. A born writer, she is using her gifts to help women understand the way this plant can heal. Please welcome to the Canna Mom Show, all the way from Boise, Idaho, Mama Yogini and author of Weed Mom, the Canna Curious Woman's Guide to Chilling. Well, the fuck out. I'll just say it. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, Danielle. This is like I can say whatever I want. It's my podcast. Danielle Simone Brand. Welcome. Thank you so much, Joyce. I'm I'm stoked to be here with you today. <laughs> all right, let's. All right, so you're the mom, right? How are your kids are seven and ten, something about that. What are they? Yeah, well, one of them just turned eight, and the other oh, one's about to birth- turn eleven. As they do, they just keep growing, getting older. All right, all right. So let's just start from your journey. Let's start with your journey. How did you end up in Idaho? Let's start with the first journey a little bit, and then and then Idaho is an obvious cannabis place. So let's go right into there. So yep, it isn't. That's true. <laughs> I think I, I would describe our family as wanderers, <laughs> peripatetic, <laughs> semi-nomads. My husband and I have lived in a ton of places, and I have lived in a ton of places. So trying something new is not is not unusual for us. Boise, Idaho is such an interesting place. You know, it's beautiful, surrounded by mountains, great scenery around here, lots of outdoor stuff to do. And most importantly for us, it's more affordable because California, where we used to live, San Diego, was just becoming such a squeeze. We were True. Yeah, we were squeezed to such a tiny space that that it just it made sense for us to move out a little bit further. So and did, and did you have any connections in Idaho? Or is this a brand new, just start over, pioneering American kind of thing? Yeah, kind of that I would okay. say. I had, one, I had one friend from California who had moved to Boise a few years before we did. So I guess I could say that I followed her, but but really it was just it was a pioneering adventure for us, as we do. Okay, so you've made it, you've gone, you've brought your children, your family, you've gone to Idaho, and then the most obvious thing is to get into cannabis, right? That's a natural transition. (laughs) Well, I was into cannabis before. So when when we lived in San Diego, that's when I started writing about cannabis, freelance writing for some mainstream pubs and lots of cannabis pubs about cannabis. And really, it was after I had already written this book proposal and had planned to write this book that we ended up moving to Idaho. So how Um, much, because this is obviously a family endeavor, you've changed your lifestyle. So when in your family... I mean, it's obviously it's called Weed Mom, so we're kind of focused on families. How was it, like, with you and your husband, how did you differ in terms of your sort of maybe understanding of the plant, or maybe it wasn't, and maybe your use of it, and how your family understood it, like your kids are little, or a little younger? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I would say that it's been a continually evolving process for all of us. Conversations can't stop, right? And this is really what the book is about. In addition to being a guide to responsible use for moms, it's about these cultural conversations, like the way we need to talk to friends and certainly kids and partners and even parents, older people in our lives. So yes, it's an evolving conversation. I would say that my husband, he, so his cannabis story, he's more of an OG cannabis user. Okay. 
Okay. And he has a lot of like street knowledge, I would say, in terms of how to make a bong out of an apple or a Sprite can or things like that. that was- Useful things. My son came home. He's a woodworker and he's 22. I say this every time. He's a grown up. And he's he made a little wooden pipe yesterday. Very random. And I'm like, hmm. <laughs> I'm proud of you. I am. <laughs> it's a good skill. <laughs> So there's a story in my book. I tell the story of my husband's long-term, long-time love of the plant, but eventual overuse of the plant. And this Mm -hmm. was at a time when I didn't really understand it. It was still legacy market, black market, whatever you want to call it. And there didn't seem to be a lot of rhyme or reason to me to how cannabis worked on when I would once in a while experiment with it. So I just, I stayed away from it. I didn't understand it until it became legal in California. And I did vote for legalization in 2016 uh, in that fateful election (laughs) in November. And um, you're you're sort of in a marriage. Sometimes I hear this the opposite. A lot of the ladies in the industry, they're using this for their, they're healing themselves. Usually it's for health and wellness. And they're kind of hiding it from family members because they're ashamed And then once they kind of get over that stigma, they kind of pop into the market and they have this enthusiasm. But you were living with someone who was a cannabis user and maybe you were not concerned or maybe you just, I mean, because I never understood it. I I was always afraid of cannabis. So what was your feelings when you were living with this person? Well, I think it changed over time because there were moments when I felt like, okay, that's his thing. I get it. It helps him be more creative or relax after work, that sort of thing. And then when he did dip over or step over that line into overuse, it became more of a problem between us. And I started to really judge it and dislike his cannabis use and urge him not to. And it would become a source of friction between us. And this is in the book. The story is in the book. It's a personal story, but absolutely. My husband is okay with me telling it. It's published, so... (laughs) It's published, so I hope so. Um, He did eventually go to rehab for cannabis use, and there were some other circumstances around it. It wasn't solely that, but he had to learn to renegotiate his relationship to the plant, and he did. And I am really relieved to say that he was able to renegotiate the way that he was using and to really look at when he was using cannabis in order to just sort of skip over the process uh, that he might have needed to go through personally, like in therapy or- Well, I found this interesting. So we talk about, so that's always the fear, rehab. Like you're afraid of cannabis. People are afraid of cannabis because we thought it was a drug. But right. you know, kind of what I'm hearing you say is that it's not, like we talk about heroin or opiates or those things. They say you have to get off those completely. That's a thing. and Or alcohol, you can't consume it at all. And cannabis is a sort of a different mechanism. Like you can over consume it. But again, we talk about health and wellness. So even if you are a person who, there's a way to, there's a way for people to use this in many different levels, even if you think at some point in your life you overconsumed and it was detrimental to you. And I know it's bi-directional. I've heard doctors say this, but again, it's very different than alcohol and overuse. I just, that's why I want always people to kind of be taught, think that in the back of their mind. Absolutely. I agree with that. And it's not a narcotic per se. I mean, it is in, it depends on who you ask, honestly, but in terms of the physical and psychological addictiveness of cannabis, I think that for some people it can become psychologically, I don't know if addictive is the right word, but they can become dependent on it. Dependence. Exactly. And cannabis use disorder is something that we talk about, you know, quite openly in our house. And that's something that my husband has dealt with. But at the same time, like you said, it's not an abstinence only all or nothing kind of thing at least for, for not for everyone. I mean, and there are um, people who do have issues. I mean, even in the community, there are people who like love cannabis and can't consume anymore. Maybe they use it, but they're still out there advocating for what they know it can do. Again, we don't know everything yet. 
That is for sure. That's for sure. And yeah, the, the, you, when you mentioned that, I thought of Alice Moon. Exactly. You know, yes, exactly. That's what I'm thinking of. Mm-hmm, cannabis hyperemesis syndrome, the you know extreme digestive disorder that happens sometimes to some people with a lot of use of cannabis, like high use of cannabis. And yeah, she's somebody who still advocates for the plant, still works in the industry, but can't consume cannabinoids, unfortunately. Yeah. So it's, I know there's so much to learn. All right. So you're living with this man, you've got your thing going, you've, (laughs) so what was the driving force for writing the book? What did it have to do with your husband's usage or something that happened afterwards or I don't know, your own life? Well, to be honest, what what happened is right around the time, excuse me, right around the time that he was coming to terms with his overuse is about the time that I was becoming a freelance writer. And I was just pitching stories on things that I knew about or that affected my everyday life. And then I started coming across all of these calls for pitches for cannabis-related work in in mainstream publications, as well as in all these new cannabis publications that were popping up at the time around 2017, 2018, especially with the huge step of that recreational market opening up in California. It was like a boom period. Mm -hmm. So I, I started receiving, getting assignments about cannabis before I really even knew that much about it. And I would just do the work and interview the people and write what I write what I could and ended up getting really enthusiastic about I mean I think that's sort of similar like I did not I always say this is not my natural habitat and what I I mean it's like I got a a beginning a degree by talking to all these amazing women and I know a little bit about a lot of the industry at this point but again it's just it was that research it was the I have the preconceived notions we all do because we lived in the war for drugs or war on drugs or whatever it was drugs lost we decided last week (laughs) (laughs) drugs lost (laughs) Oh, no, drugs won. Drugs won. Drugs won. Now yeah, dr- drugs won. Yeah. yeah, that's After, right. Drugs won. For so sure. drugs, drugs won during the election. And Oh, yeah. I don't know. Anyways, but this idea that you can, you know, come to it literally through education, which is what a lot of these ladies are doing. Like we've done it personally, but they're trying to put it out there too, which is what you're doing. Absolutely. So it captured my my imagination and my attention with this, this intersectionality between science and policy and health and wellness. And I was a yoga teacher for years before. So that sort of self-care, health and wellness, yoga and meditation piece, the, the way cannabis could enhance that was very appealing to me. And yeah, so it captured my fascination. I started writing about it. My husband was a little mystified, I would say at the time. <laughs> he was like, hang on, it's been 15 years. And when you knew that I was into it and you weren't into it at all, what's you know what? Why now that I stop? <laughs> Something else. Now I no, but it's biology. People say I don't believe in cannabis. I'm like, well, do you believe in aspirin? It's not a belief. It's like right. <laughs> it's not magic. We have an endocannabinoid system. It's science and medicine and biology and yeah. So yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so you asked also about the rest of my family and my children. And honestly, it's just an evolving conversation. I started talking to my kids probably when they were four and seven about cannabis, because that's about the time I started writing about it and learning about it. And my husband was going through his own recalibration and his own relationship to the plant. So it was, it was an important topic in our lives. Plus legalization had just hit or recreational legalization had just hit California. So there were literally billboards everywhere. And my older kid could read and he was like, what's cannabis, mama? Because it would be right up on, you know, right. on the freeway as we were driving by. So these kinds of conversations, in my view, like in order to normalize cannabis, we need to So talk- I've heard, I've actually heard some cannabis moms or dads talk about how my kids are older, so I never had to have this conversation when they were little. But what they talk about is they talk about medicate, activate, and inebriate. And that's how they 
kind of differentiate it with their children or when they're talking about how people use this. So I thought that was an interesting distinction because the little kids know it's mommy's medicine or daddy's medicine. That's right. That's right. And I think it's important to highlight the the different uses of the plant and the fact that some people use it as medicine as as I do, even though I don't have a medical card because I live in a prohibition state, sadly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I do self-treat migraines with cannabis and it's very helpful for me. And I also self-treat some mood ups and downs, especially during the pandemic. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I'd yeah. be lying if it's, I didn't say it doesn't this, help. This pandemic <laughs> was not possible without cannabis. I say that almost every show. So yeah. Um, so <laughs> so so you were you so was the driving force something about just women you knew were asking you about it, or was it just your own curiosity? You realized you had this information, you should put it out there. And did you have an audience in mind when you were creating this? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, so in my freelancing journey, what happened is that I simultaneously developed this beat writing about cannabis and writing about parenting and two completely different subjects. I was writing a lot of essays about parenting. I was writing some like parenting advice columns, that sort of thing. And, And then occasionally I would either pitch or get asked to write something that brought parenting and cannabis together, such as how to talk to kids about cannabis or how to, how to negotiate the relationship when your partner doesn't consume, but you do things like that. And these, all these ideas started sort of building up slowly. And I realized, Hey, there's a market for talking about these two topics together. One, because it's stigmatized still. Mm -hmm. And two, because the stigma is starting to, you know, to, to wear off and We're, we're, we're crushing it. That's what we're doing here. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. I'm completely on board with that. I mean, I would find myself watching my kids on the playground. I'd be sitting, sitting in the shade and moms would come up to me and start asking me questions about CBD and THC. And can you come to the dispensary with me and show me around? And that I realized there's a real hunger for this kind of knowledge. A can of Sherpa, Sherpa, Sherpa. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Yeah. I had my own can of Sherpa, so I, I, I was introduced in a very gentle, loving way by another can of mom. To well, I think, the that's, how, that's why I think we're doing this differently. And like, again, I talk about how a lot of every state is so different. We can talk about Idaho at, at sort of a little bit later, but just each state is literally very different. And how you enter a cannabis store is very different in every state. And I say in Massachusetts, it feels very intimidating. There's no signs. You have to show two forms of ID. You get locked, you have to get double entered, although now they deliver. So it's a whole nother since the pandemic, things have changed, but that's very intimidating for someone who's never gone through this before. And then once you're inside, once you're inside, it's like another level of like, they're bud tenders. They're like your Starbucks barista, they'll do whatever you want, but a lot of people need more advice. So again, to have someone who goes with you, I mean, I think this is an industry and I think some of the fancier dispensaries, women centric are starting to do this to have someone there to work with you. That's right. Like a cannabis concierge, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Someone who walks you through the experience. And sometimes that's that's a bud tender. Sometimes that's a medical professional. Depends on the market and the dispensary. In California, especially in San Diego, which is like <laughs> a gold mine of cannabis right now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, so ca- ca- and California is just, again, I say it's so much bigger. They got so much bigger issues. They It's just it rolled out in a I don't even understand how it rolled out. Massachusetts is teeny tiny. Like it's so small. Dave and I kind of name a lot of the people like personally that we've seen just because we're here. So every time I hear stories about California, I feel overwhelmed. (laughs) It's a huge market. It's a huge market. And there's a lot of uh, regional variation too and city by city variation in terms of whether dispensaries are even allowed, whether delivery is allowed. Like it's a patchwork at this point. 
But in San Diego, what, what I wanted to mention is that I mean, there are, it, the experience is quite different from what you just described, like having to show two forms of ID, it being a little more clinical. And I've heard that about the Massachusetts rec market, that it has this sort of medical flavor to it almost. Well, they're all sort of like mixed together. And it's hard to tell which is which. And I don't know, it's a very, it's, it's, it's evolving, but it's, it's evolving. That's what I'll say. It's evolving. <laughs> it is. It is. I mean, it's a growth industry. It's a growing industry and, and there's a lot of growing pains, I think, yeah. um, as well. But, you know, the, what I wanted to mention is that there are dispensaries in San Diego and many places of California that feel like a Nordstrom's like boutique, basically. Right. Oh, I know. this. Uh, yeah, I've seen it. I was in Vegas last December, just last December. And my we did like a little tour and there were some beautiful ones. It was like a chandelier one that like had like big leather <laughs> menus when you walked in. It felt very luxurious. And no, I mean, I think that's the future. I mean, again, this plant impacts us on so many different levels. So you need to appeal at many different levels to the, not everyone feels comfortable walking into a, a certain type of dispensary. And this is health and wellness. We all need to find our space. Absolutely. And when I interviewed people for the book about dispensaries in different states, different markets, it was very interesting to hear people's reflections like, there were people often said to me, the dispensary culture and ambiance and vibe really reflects the community that it's in. And what, of course, what they're going for, what the marketers are going for. So sometimes there's that like laid back hippie vibe. <laughs> in some places, there's the high end wellness vibe. There's everything in between, just like all retail. There are there. But, but, I, but I, there must, there have to be places for women like us, which is why I'm glad you're talking about this. And we're talking about it. So we build a community so it exists for us to be there. So what were some of the challenges when, you know, so you're in Idaho, so had you pitched this in California and then it moved out there? So now, so you went from a legal state to an illegal state and I then did. started writing the book? Yeah. Well, I wrote the book proposal while living in California, and it okay. was actually just a few months before we ended up leaving San Diego, moving to Idaho. And I didn't have an agent yet, so I was querying it out to agents and didn't actually land my agent until we were actually in Idaho. So I think it was January of this year. 2020 has been 20 years <laughs> in itself. That's great though. So so had you tried to query a book before? I've, I've been through this with other people. So that's a pretty, that in itself is a whole complicated story. Just like- It is. I, I wrote- I, so I wrote a memoir about eight years ago, probably about um, my family. We had we had a strange little sub adventure in our lives where we left Washington D.C., where we had been living for nine years, my husband and I, and we went to grad school there. We had our first kid there, and then we decided to trade in the city life for homesteading. We went to Colorado in the foothills, and we bought thirty six acres of land. Serious we homesteading. Oh my God. I'm such an urban girl. That actually scares me when I hear that. I'm like me alone on 37 acres. No. Well, it, it, scares us as well. and we, it turns out we were terrible at it. <laughs> my gut to that is no, it's a hard no. <laughs> I, All right, I but it's a good story. It. <laughs> it's a good story. So I wrote that as a memoir and queried it for probably two years with lots of revisions in between, lots of hard work, never got an agent, never got it published, but I also learned how to write in that period. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I had been a writer for a long time, but, you know, not always a paid one, just often I would do like, you know, a little freelance article here and there, or I'd write for the yoga studio I was working for, things like that. And of course I went to grad school and I had to write academically quite a bit. 
but you know, but I really no, I, I just, I, I'm a writer. So if you're a writer, you're a writer. Like you are just, if you're a person who writes, you just write. So just own it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know? I hate when my writing friends are like, but I never get paid. I'm like, yeah, but you write. That is who you are. You is it you're a musician. People create through music and we create by writing. That's like, it's just the kind of a thing. So yeah, own it. Absolutely. And I'm very appreciative to be able yeah. to finally make a living through writing because it's, it's not easy. No. Nothing yeah. creative, art, nothing, whatever. The whole world's not easy now though. So at least you get to do something that's, I don't know, healthy when it's done. Like you created something, it's out there. That's awesome. Like being yeah, a mom. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> it is exciting. I got my copies finally of my, uh, I got my author copies and- oh, so, um, yeah, so, let's, so let's just like look, yeah, so let's go up to the book. So now that, so you've got here, you got there, you got the query and you finally got a person and now this is, you have the book. So let's talk about the journey in that and what are you doing to promote it now? I know you're going on- podcast like my podcast and um back in the day you probably would have gone to bookstores and done readings like what are you what are people doing now to promote and get the word out there and it, it is the holiday season so this is a good gift if you're listening <laughs> so okay yes that there was a lot in there first of all it was <laughs> a whirlwind process to pitch and complete and publish a book in one year i kind of can't believe that happened that's pretty fast for the publishing and keep you're married together and you're raising your children and but that's just what women do like that's what we do that's and then we look we back and we're like oh, okay I did it <laughs> and then move on so but you did it look at it I did it I have to say though I am really fortunate that during the spring lockdowns March to May was when we stayed home like all the time Every, everybody was terrified and mm -hmm. we didn't even go to the grocery store it was very it was a very strict lockdown for us during that time my husband took over everything with the kids and he wow. really gave me the space to write this book and without Perfect. that I wouldn't have been able to that so, isn't because you do I think you. you need I think you need quiet like that's the thing like I'm a middle-aged woman like my kids are gone like I had the house to myself so I was used to sort of that <clears throat> quiet time during the day and then in March it turned into like a we work space and there are five people in this house I was just hiding out in the bathroom I had no energy <laughs> for creative time like there was nobody was leaving me alone so you're yeah I hear you. Uh, Are you an introvert? I am. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I'm home all the time by myself anyways. This is just my life. My life is busier now. I kind of, that's a joke. I'm like, <laughs> I, like I've been I love it. I was, a, I've had done a lot of things, but you know, most of the things are done in the house. I'm a caregiver. My kids are growing up now, but I spent 15, 20 years in this house, like taking care of stuff in my community. And most of the time people were out of the house. That was the point of it. Yeah. And same here as, especially as a writer for the past several years, my husband was at work, my kids were at school. I was writing alone. The dog was my only company. And I really loved that. It feels like a crowded space right now, but I'm also pretty grateful that we, we moved to Idaho where my kids have their own rooms where we could, we couldn't afford to have a house with our, with their own rooms. And, and they probably have space. They probably have a yard too, right? And there's a yard. I have an office. These are all things that help. All right. So I, I, I had the sympathy for the introvert thing. So, right. So you've overcome sort of this craziness. You're using your time to write, which means you're blocking out a lot of other stuff in your house and you're doing it. So you finished it, you have the book and now you're doing the podcast thing. You're talking to me, obviously. Uh, are you talking to any bookstores? I, I've seen some bookstores are doing virtual readings and uh, like, I don't know, online conferences, talkativity. Are you involved with any of those places yet? Yeah, Tokativity is, I'm definitely talking to them and, and we might be, I think I'm going to be a guest speaker at one of the Canamom events coming oh, up in 2021. Idea. Yeah, that's going to be exciting. They did have like, sorry, that a Tokativity thing last night and they had a sesh for just Canamoms. It was a Canamom sesh. 
Yeah. Yes, that's right. I missed that one. <clears throat> There's yeah. so many cool things going on in the canvas space right now. And I feel like I'm just like, I think you're there. I think you're th- as much as I can. And at the same time, knowing that so many things will slip through my hands. The thing is, this is, so I was talking to someone about business development and we're about, I'm about two and a half years into this industry, I guess, at this point. And she's like, yeah, that's halfway. It's only halfway until it's normalized. I'm like, another two and a half years. <laughs> so you're in it at just the right time. People are talking about it, especially can of moms and stuff. I obviously talk about this all the time. This is, we're trying to crush that stigma and the more normalization comes from more stories. I mean, I always say that we are ruled by stories. Our entire, everything we do are stories. So um, you're right. telling these stories in your book. So, so do you want to give like a preview of what people would find if they read your book, what they're looking for, or, you know, what you're, what you're trying to, what issues you're trying to highlight? Sure. But actually, before I do that, I want okay. to just circle back to what you were just saying and mention that on Instagram right now, and I'm pretty new to Instagram, honestly, it wasn't really my medium before, and I'm still just learning about it. But there is a vibrant cannabis mom community on oh, Instagram. Yeah. And I really appreciate that. And and they're crushing the stigma too in their own ways by writing about it, by by just continuing to bring in other moms who maybe were afraid to, to be public because of the stigma, the shame, the taboo, the taboos. And so I've been really impressed with the everyday can of moms out there. Oh, and, that, and I do say, because I'm older, so my kids are grown. This isn't really like an issue with being stigmatized at play groups or being worried that you're, I don't know, that whole... The whole idea that when I had younger children, I couldn't have smoked pot. It wasn't even like in the realm of possibility and that it actually would have made me more engaged with them in a certain way. I just, I really believe that I'm going to be a much better grandmother. And I am a, I am a type A personality. I'm edgy and I wanted things done the right way. And I, I, perfectionism is my like Achilles here, but if I had some cannabis, a lot of that could have gone away and I could have been more engaged with them. So these new, these moms who are with younger kids who are doing this and they're happier. I mean, just enjoy your kids. And especially now that everyone's working and trying to do everything at once, if you can just be calm enough to have a few happy moments with your children, good Lord, that. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. I agree. I I am giving everyone listening permission. I mean, if you've never, I don't know if you're with your children, you're drinking alcohol, reconsider what you're doing at some level and talk to people like Danielle and read books and find out how you can calm yourself down and be sort of in the moment because it is everything is so difficult now and Absolutely. we don't need stigma and we don't need stigma on top of like when we're trying people are trying to medicate or trying to heal themselves on top of everything else mm-hmm. and especially when compared to the the other substances that are pretty common for americans parents moms everybody to rely on in the absence of more healthy alternatives so alcohol and pills and various opioids and i mean i'm not anti pharmaceutical at all. But I also think that there's a time and a place and natural medicine and plant medicine is something that I usually turn to first to see if I can help myself or solve my health or... Which I think should be the mantra of the entire industry is that cannabis has continually been, it's the last resort of all these women I've talked to, the very last thing they've turned to. So again, pharmaceuticals are obviously extraordinarily necessary in our society. We need all these modern medications. All of this is necessary, but cannabis has to stop being the last resort. It should be the first resort, really the first resort. And if you can't find a CBD or a tincture or a salve or consume it vapor, or there's so many options for you. If that isn't helping the issue that you're having at some level, it isn't, but you should try it first. Cause when you try it last, I just, yeah, it's unnecessary. Literally it's just unnecessary. And that's what we're trying to change. 
I agree. Absolutely. And and this this book, I would say, I mean, it's focused on recreational use, but, you know, also wellness comes in because- Health and wellness. That's what this is. Health and wellness. Exactly. I mean, there's, we're used to thinking about cannabis in two buckets, medical or recreational. And what I found when I was talking to cannamoms everywhere across the US is that so many people are using it in this like middle space, this wellness space, this, I've heard it called (laughs) recreational. I've actually never heard that. Yeah. Okay. Yes. I heard that from Humble Bloom. Yeah. The ladies who who run Humble Bloom are pretty cool. And yeah. So, so I think that there, because there are so many moms using cannabis in ways that like, yes, we feel good. We feel relaxed. We like the way it makes us feel, but it's also addressing many, many of our other issues like pain or perhaps anxiety, or perhaps the need to sleep better. As you mentioned, the need to, to be present with our kids, to engage, to play. And seriously, if you have kids in, in the age range who like to pretend play, cannabis is a huge help. <laughs> let, you, let you be in there. I mean, we don't get to live in wonder. That's the truth of it. Like as grown up and responsible adults, we never get to live in wonder because especially as like someone who's always thinking about the future in some level that you're worried about what's going to happen next. So there's no wonder. And cannabis could help you live in wonder with your children. So, all right. So I got to actually take a break. So we're going to be back on the other side with my friend, Danielle Simone Brand, to talk um, more about the book, where you can get it, and what her future is for 2021. Oh my God, 2021. All right. We're back on the other side. Surprise. It's me again. I wanted to take a minute to thank everyone who's made season two of the Cannamom Show so much fun and so popular. Honestly, I'm a little overwhelmed. And to show our gratitude... The Cannamom Show team has some exciting news to share with you. If you are a cannabis-focused business or want to find cannabis industry connections in your field or want to engage with cannabis activists, we want to hear from you. Because beginning in 2021, The Cannamom Show will be offering sponsorships that will allow you to support the voices of women in this industry that need to be elevated and give you the opportunity to connect with the thousands now engaged each and every week with The Cannamom Show on multiple social media platforms, podcast distribution sites, and internationally on our Canadian Cannamom Amy Ryman site, Hip Lives. So if you sell a product, offer a service, or want to engage others, the Cannamom Show wants to hear from you. And together, we will crush that cannabis stigma one canna story at a time. Now, back to the show. All right, we are back with Danielle to finish talking about her book. But before we do. This is getting released around the holiday season. So I'm always, I'm talking about the food banks a lot. Everyone needs to be giving money to food banks, but I want to support our businesses, our cannabis and CBD businesses. So this week um, I'm releasing a blog. You can check it out. And at the bottom, I have a list of 12 of our great guests, 12 of that one, almost, we will have almost a hundred guests by the end of 2021. Isn't that crazy? The Cannamom family continues to grow and multiply. Yes. Yeah, so, but 12 of these ladies have awesome products that anyone can buy across the country because a lot of these are THC products that I talk to. But these women are people who are making products or jewelry or bongs or the decarboxylator. So check it out. I'll put a link in there. There are going to be people like, I don't know if you remember these ladies, Danny McQueen, Old Man Goodies. She's going to help. She helps you make your own CBD treats. They're like little boxes that come to your house, which I just think are awesome. And Liz Cost, she's a fog and tree. She's capturing the essence of California in her self-care products. And for men too, they guess she's got a bear product that she's got out there. And let's see, who else? Oh, Jenny RG, 
Jenny's Baked at Home. She's a CBD advocate and she's got a lot of products. And one of them is this great brownie mix. So looking for little gifts, supporting your local cannabis CBD women in this industry. That's what we do. Link in the notes and uh, just check them out. So that's my little plug for today. Anything you need, Dave, it's going to be there. Right. And (laughs) make sure all the great stuff you give out is always in the show notes. So check the show notes of your episode for (laughs) links and all kinds of cool extra stuff. Anything you need. Okay. Now back talking about gifts. So let's just Give us the name of your book again, and then tell people where they can find it and what your hopes are for 2021 with this. And can they find your conferences? I don't know what's going on with you next year. Yeah. So, okay. The book has a super long subtitle. It's Weed. (laughs) I like it though. (laughs) It's Weed Mom, the Can of Curious Woman's Guide to Healthier Relaxation happier parenting and chilling TF out. (laughs) And how (laughs) did you come up with that very long title? (laughs) To be totally transparent, my publisher came up with this title and they they came up with it based on their market research. They found that the term can of curious was was quite, you know, uh, an interesting uh, Google search and weed moms are the new wine moms. That's kind of a right now. So they did a pretty good job with that. I think my original title it was actually pretty terrible. Uh, it, was, <laughs> it was stoned while momming. And <laughs> I came up with that because that's not at all what I... It, it's like a bad image too, stoned while momming. It's like you're sitting on the couch eating Cheetos, ignoring your family. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> terrible title. Thankfully, they looked past that and they, they accepted the proposal anyway, because really my message is about responsible use and, and microdosing and moderate dosing and you know understanding the plant being educated, knowing your limits, all those things, because I think that stigmas go away or start to dissipate when we are responsible, when we like show, hey, I can be a fully functional human being. I can engage with my kids well. My kids are happy and healthy. I have a career. And there's so many can of moms doing the exact same thing out there. That's, not- but they are out there. That's the truth. So were the people who the ladies, are you working with women who are in, in the publishing? Were they can of moms too? Or is this something new for them? Well, Ulysses Press, my publisher, has published a number of books on cannabis. The editor who acquired my book and worked with me on the project is actually a younger woman, and she doesn't have kids yet, but she was on board completely into it. The publishing company is based in Berkeley and in Brooklyn, so a little definitely different vibes in both of those places and different legal markets, obviously. That's funny. Well, that's good. I think it's, I don't know, I I always say this is the thing that's going to save us on the other side of this. So cannabis touches everything. You can eat it. You can wear it. You can smoke it. You can live in it. You can read about it. <laughs> you can Absolutely. write about it. Any skill set you have, you can bring it into cannabis. So, yeah. all right. Anything else you want to share with people? How can they uh, reach you? Uh, website? What's the best way to find the book? Yeah. So the book is available on um, many booksellers. Amazon is one of them. If you don't want to support Amazon because they have enough business already, you can buy the book on bookshop.org, which gives a part of its profits to local bookstores. That's always a great option and that I like to promote. Barnes and Noble. I recently found out my book is even on walmart.com. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Go Walmart. (laughs) Yeah. Go Walmart. I don't think in the actual stores, but online, walmart.com. All right. Well, keep an eye out for it. If you make it to any list, pass them on because I'm sure it'll be some of those best 
the best 10 weed books of 2020, maybe. We'll see how it goes. All right. <laughs> so, yeah, and I'm beginning my outreach efforts toward toward the, the bigger markets and I'm absolutely hoping to get some hits in the new year because I think that, like you were saying, the pandemic has, it's pushing the conversation forward. People are oh. realizing, hey, we need better ways to deal with stress. We need better ways to engage with our family or to maybe like shift our brains and our focus from work time to family time, especially when there are so few boundaries these days. Oh, the shift in <laughs> That's the most important thing. There's like a bit of run on in acids in America. Like, I don't know. I think weed's a better option. <laughs> There's a run on, on acid, you said? Ant acid. Ant acid. Oh, ant acid. <laughs> I was like, LSD. That's interesting. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> that would be nice too, I suppose. But no, like Tums. America, we're so stressed out. We're hoarding Tums. So <laughs> I don't. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> All right. So thank you, Danielle. Thank you for joining us today. This is another fun show. It always goes by really fast. So it's Danielle Simone Brand, author of Weed Mom. I'm not going to go for the whole long title. Thanks, Dave, my Canabro, for joining us again today. Thank another you. Fun Wednesday afternoon. Janice, our Canamom theme, Canamom um, social media. She's been doing a great job. We, I think, might have someone new for January. Keep a lookout for the, I don't know what's going to be happening. Maybe we'll jazz it up a different way i want to thank josh lampkin and bella jaffe for writing and performing the can mom theme music and most importantly i want to thank you for taking the time to listen to the can mom show where we are talking about caring for and giving voice to women in the emerging cannabis industry one can of story at a time please follow us on social media subscribe anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast i'm your host joyce gerber this is the can mom show and we are a production of pod 617 the Boston Podcast Network. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Infused, a cannabis talk show, is a -a one-of-a-kind look inside the cannabis industry. Meet the amazing people who make cannabis businesses bloom as they join host Nick with Francesca and Mike for creative cannabis conversations. Get an honest look at the business of cannabis, including trends, best and worst practices, products, education, and advocacy. Whether you're kind of curious or running a cannabis, Infused has kind of conversations that count. Infused is available on YouTube and is now streaming as part of the PodConnects Network. Network.